Um, today uh, we're, we're talking about um, the poor and uh, the needy, the hungry, um, but there's going to be some big leadership lessons in here as well. Um, and uh, for some of y'all, you're already a leader. You're a leader of some kind of an organization. Uh, you may be an executive at a business. Uh, you may be a teacher uh, over a classroom. Um, or you may be an aspiring leader that, you know, you, you're still in school or you're just being apprenticed. You're kind of young. Maybe a, um, you're, being, you're being prepared for leadership in the organization that you're in. You desire to be a leader. There's some interesting things in leadership that we see um, about um, the apostles' failures and uh, Jesus' success. And uh, that's very important. We always look and to see how incredible Jesus is, that he's the true hero. Let's pray, and we're going to read through the Word of God. God, uh, bless this time. Uh, we know your Word is already blessed, but we pray that you would breathe through it today in a specific and special way. We pray that you give us aha moments, that you give us tipping points. We pray, Lord, that unbelieving friends that are in here, that be converted, that you'd give them a new heart today. I can't do that. They can't even do it themselves, God. But pray, Holy Spirit, that you would grab a hold of us and do a powerful work in and through us today. Uh, use your word. Um, may it be a, a light in our life to expose shadows, to expose darkness and cobwebs in our life, Lord. Um, may it be a magnifying glass to reveal the greatness of who you are. And then compare that, Father, to the areas that we need to grow. We pray you'd speak. And in fact, just uh, somebody just say, speak to me, Lord. Uh, we want that, God. Uh, we want you to speak to us. Uh, we trust your word for that, Lord. Uh, there certainly are other things that I will interject here that I pray will be aligned with the, with the word of God, Lord. But I know, I know in my years as a pastor and as a preacher, um, it's far from everything that comes out of my mouth. Uh, is, uh, is right in alignment, Father. So I, I just thank you for your word, uh, that we can trust your word. We do pray. I pray anointing, God, that it, you would just flow through me, God, and that you would speak to this church that you have helped me um, to follow you in leading God. Um, so bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. So here it is. Um, this is Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the, in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When they went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them, and because, they were, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when he found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up into heaven 
and set a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. They took up twelve baskets of full of broken pieces in the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And right there is the word of God, you guys. Uh, let's break it down. Uh, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Okay, so if, you, if you've been with us, we've been walking through one of the biographies of Jesus Christ, uh, which is Mark, um, right here. Uh, although we've, we've studied and we believe, I, at least I believe that it was Peter was the eyewitness and uh, Mark was the one that, that uh, then heard it from him and then now he's, he's given it to us. So it's the biography of Peter uh, as he had his days with Jesus. Um, and at this point in the story, um, we had just, we'd just seen that Jesus had sent out the 12 apostles two by two, sent them out, he gave them authority uh, over, over uh, evil spirits, that's demons, and over sickness for them to go and free people and also to heal people uh, in the name of Jesus, as well as, of course, proclaiming the great news of who Jesus is, all right? So that's what they've done, and now they've come back, all right? They've come back, and, and some of them, you've got, got lots of adrenaline that's pumping, you've got, you got a lot of tiredness that's there, you've got all kinds of stories that's there, and so you have these apostles. Now, let's talk about that word apostle for just, just a minute, give you some context again. Again, apostles, this is apostles with a big A, uh, these were a select few who they spent time with Jesus. Um, they saw the resurrected Jesus, and he specifically, strategically called them to be a part of the birthing of the Christian church. All right, so that's Apostles Big A. But Apostles Little A, as far as you talk about gift set and skill set, those are people that have the ability, that they have entrepreneurial aptitude. They're able to go and start things and rally people behind things. I look around, I see some of you in here, I know you have apostolic gifting, whether it's in the church or whether it's in the marketplace. Uh, it's all to be holy. It's all to be what God does. And God has given you those abilities. But, but really, the, the, the word itself, the word apostle, um, it means emissary or it means ambassador. Um, and, and so what it is, is it's, it's someone who who proclaims the reality of a king and a kingdom as emissary, an ambassador. That's what they do. They proclaim the reality of a king and a kingdom. It's a person who takes action based upon the king and his kingdom. And it's somebody, thirdly, who lives in a kingdom within a kingdom. I mean, think about embassies. And I don't know if you've seen some, some of those thrillers out there, the mysteries where um, something that's, some kind of a crime is committed, you know, at an embassy, and they've got protection at, within that country, even within America, because it is foreign soil within that country. All right, that that helps you to understand what it means actually to be a Christian, to be an ambassador, to be an emissary. Is that we live with with our our first allegiance being to God, that He's King. It's uh, Saint Augustine. He talked about the city of God within the city of man, that we have allegiance to that king first and foremost. And they, we proclaim the reality of this king and of his kingdom, even though he and the kingdom is unseen. And we're ones who take action based upon it. So where we take the invisible king and his invisible kingdom and, and we see it manifested, it becomes visible. As we talked about earlier, we talk about the needy, the helpless, so the reason why we do that is because there's a king that loves 
the people. He loves the poor, the helpless. And so we're like, God, may your kingdom come. That, that's not just a request. That's actually a declaration, God. That we're saying, Lord, may it be established right here, right now. That's what we're saying. God, may, may the king and his kingdom explode on the scene. And may it change lives. That's what we're saying. That's what, so that's what the apostles were. Again, little a. That's what apostles are. Is that kind of an ambassador or an emissary? Now note in here it says, they came and it says that he told them all that they'd done and taught. Guys, I've been reading the Bible for decades. And I've never seen this in here. I just, I just glazed over this part. That they came in and it says he told them all the things that they went out and did. And I just thought that was just... The coolest thing, when you think about it, you got these 12 coming in and says, all right, now Peter, you know, I, I, know, I, I know I saw that you've made it to the coast, you know, because you wanted to fish a little bit while, while you're doing things. And man, I, you know, I, I saw you proclaim Christ to that woman that was on the shore and how she was freed of, of, de- of demons and, and how she came to faith in me. I saw that and, 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 uh, and starts telling, telling these other guys what it is that they that they'd been doing. How encouraging would it would it be? I mean, if you had a team, a team where you came in and your CEO, your lead on the job started saying all these things that you did. Well, it freak you out is what it would do. You'd, you'd say either I'm getting on a new team or this is the best team I've ever been on. You know, it, but it's supernatural. It shows that it shows that he cared for them. It shows that he was plugged in and was he was with them. In a supernatural way, he was. He was he was with them. That's an encouragement because they knew. Verse 31 to 33. He said, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. So he's like, oh, guys, all right, I know y'all are tired. We just finished this, we've just been sprinting, and we need to get away. And we need to just pull away from every other person. And we need to go and rest, all right? So that's what these guys think is about to happen. They think this is going to be time where we just get together, we have a good debrief, you know, and, and, and be able to just chill out with, with the master for a little while. That's not the way it happened, though. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in, in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So, this, these are the people that Jesus wants them to minister to. They want to make a difference in their life. But I know these guys are tired. And they're like, man, I just, I just really need some time. I just really need some time with my family. I just really need some time with my brothers. I just really need some time. I, I just need to hear some more from Jesus. And I don't really want these people. So they got in the boat, you know, so they take off. And you got this herd of people. And let the cat out of the bag. It's 5,000. You guys got that, right? Now, it was actually more than 5,000 because it, at the end it says it was 5,000 men. So we don't know how many ladies were with them. We don't know how many, how many kids were with them. So it, it might have been 10,000, might have been 15,000 people. It's a herd, a herd of people. And, and can you just see this? I mean, can you just see them? You know, they're, they're taking a short cro- shortcut across the water and you see this, this mob of people that are, that are going around. And, and, and you, can you just almost imagine those guys at some point when they, when they see the people heading toward their point of destination, just kind of the, oh my goodness, we're not going to be able to rest like, like we thought. That's, 
That's what it's like to be a parent, by the way, right? You know, so you just you just know you're going to have a little time of rest. Um, or some of you, uh, some of you parents, are like you know, we're going to have a special night together, just the two of us, and all kinds of things happen to disrupt that. Uh, it happens. Um, these guys are they're racing over there. Um, I mean, I, in my mind, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about three of our guys that are in here that were in a, a, a race yesterday, the Krispy Kreme race. I don't know if you guys heard about about this. Uh, where, where, where are the guys? We're Seth and Eric and Andy. Okay, all right, there we go. Um, these guys, and with how many? How many were there? How many did it all together? I mean, in the whole race. Three, four hundred people raced. They ran two miles, ate a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, and then ran two more miles after that. So that was that was the race. And you can fill your, your imagination can fill in what happened to, to some as a, as a result of that. Um, and and the thing was is these guys, these five thousand, they get there. There's no Krispy Kreme when they get there. There's a problem there. Um, I, I think there's there's something to be said, uh, just a little bit about va- the difference between vacationing and, and retreating that, that's that's within here. Um, vacations are something that you do on an occasion. Retreat or really Sabbath is something that's supposed to happen consistently. Um, God actually has something to say about how consistent that's supposed to be. Uh, once a week that we should Sabbath, we should have downtime of worship to God with others. Uh, but also time to, to rest. Um, but if you talk about just kind of having a, a bit of a theology of, of vacation, or at least some practicality of vacation, I mean, the, the root of the word vacation means to vacate. It means to get away. And that's what these guys are trying to do. They're trying to vacate. They're trying to, to get away from everybody else and, and all the other things that are going on. Get away for for a few moments. Um, and... There's something to be said there. It's, I mean, Jesus is the one who's calling them away. Um, vacation and, and retreating and, and Sabbathing, these are things that are very holy. All right? Now, a vacation doesn't mean it has to be something expensive. It doesn't mean you have to you take, a, take a loan out $5,000 uh, for, for, to go to Disney. Um, as great as, and as fun as Disney is, it doesn't have to be expensive, but it does mean you get away to vacate. Um, now, just throw something out to you guys. Don't leave Jesus out of your vacation. If you vacate, don't don't take a break from Jesus. Take a break with Jesus. That's what he's calling these guys to. It's like, you know what? You need to rest, but rest with me. And and so let that sink in, you guys. I mean, think about your past vacations that you've had and and was it something where you man, you just hung the Bible up for a while and and your knees, knees never hit the floor, so to speak. Um, because it's like, man, I just want to get away from everybody. And, and God's like, no, no, no. I'm behind this. I'm, I'm for your rest and for your vacating. But do it with me. He made rest. He made fun. Don't, don't feel like if you're going on vacation that you're doing something behind God's back. It was His, des- it was his design to do it. Um, Remember 1 Corinthians 10.31. If you've not memorized this yet, go ahead and do it because you're just going to hear it all the time around here. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That means 
the way you vacation. That means vacations aren't supposed to be a hedonistic trip. It's not supposed to be just all about your crazy pleasure and going and getting crazy. Um, do things to the glory of God. Vacate, rest, play to the glory of God. Um, so that's a little bit about vacations. Retreating and Sabbathing, again, it's supposed to be consistent weekly. He's designed for us to weekly get together with Christ and with others that are worshiping Christ. That's part of what we're doing here. Is This is, this is a, if we look at the, what Sabbath is supposed to be, that we rest together in Christ. We come together. We, we proclaim Him together. We rest in Him. We look to Him. We spend time with Jesus and others. Now, I mean, there's se- several of us. I mean, I'm, I, mean I know I'm, this is a work day for me. But at the same time, I love it. It's, it's, it's a time that we get to come and make much of Jesus Christ together. And so I'm, I'm filled even though that I'm, that I'm working during, during uh, times of gathering. Um, so we need to do that uh, together. And that's, the, that's the, uh, the example being set here in this story. But certainly you need time alone with Jesus too. Um, you do need... You need times of break, and, and uh, we've got a lot of driven folks in here, um, whether you travel a lot uh, with your business, um, whether you're a, a, a business owner or you're just on a team that's aggressive, whether you're a salesman, um, uh, even you guys who are students, and just the, the times when, man, they're just sprint seasons and study or work. Um, you moms, you know, it's like the sprint never ends for you, and uh we, we, we dads or husbands, it's really pretty pitiful because we work our however many days, days a week and we come home and uh, we just want to take a break and relax. And for you moms especially, there's, there's never a break. There's never a break. Husbands, dads, uh, well, especially husband dads, um, be sensitive to that and maybe ask your, ask your wife as mom to these kids for those who this relates to is just say you know what can I do to help you to have some retreat time what can I do to help you have some some downtime uh, to be with Jesus to be with some friends and uh, um, see how you can serve serve them all right um, verse 33 again says that they the people they followed them and um, with all this that's being said about rest these guys didn't get the rest. Because, I mean, you need to know this, that God sometimes will ordain your plans to fail. I didn't just say allow. Sometimes God in His sovereignty, He'll ordain it for the plans that you have to fail. He actually, I mean, look here. He said, come on and let's go be alone. There's, there's a lot in Scripture that it just, with God and His, his knowledge of what's going to happen, He knows what's going to happen next. So it's like, what, what do I do with that? Well, it's, it's like parenthetically, Jesus is he's just saying, well, and, and then I'll teach you the next part of this once we get over there. It's not going to be what you expect. There's a lot of times God tells you to do something or, or just in a part of what your life is that you're pressing forward with it and, and something fails and you get frustrated. Mechanical failures, interruptions, unexpected guests. Learn to be light on your feet. Learn to pivot. Learn to pivot well when Jesus says so. 
when he gives the opportunities. Verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Um, this is a very special verse. When he saw him, he had compassion on him. Y'all look at me for just a second. Do y'all know that when Jesus looks upon you today, He has compassion. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. When He looks upon y'all today and us today, He has compassion. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. He sees that in our brokenness and in our human condition here, he knows, first of all, that we stink at being shepherds to our own souls. We lead ourselves very poorly. And he also knows that human leaders, the people we, we look to, they're so, fa- they're so failed and, and flawed that he looks and just says, man, I, I love them so much. I tell you what, I'll be their leader. I'll be their shepherd. And so, I don't know what kind of home life that you had. I don't know what kind of dad or mom that you had. I don't know what kind of coaches you've had. I don't know what, what kind of abuse has taken place in your life by people that you respected, that you trusted. But I want you to know something, that Jesus has compassion. And He looks down and He hates the brokenness of this world so much that He said, I will interject myself. We're about to start Advent, you guys. I don't know if you ever studied it. I didn't study Advent growing up. I didn't know anything about liturgy or church calendar. Advent is just a special, special time where we just say, Jesus cared. He had compassion, so He came. He did. He interjected Himself. He became the God-man. Walked in our shoes. and didn't, didn't end there, but He said, I tell you, he said here's my plan. I'm going to switch righteousness with them. Their righteousness is like filthy menstrual cloths. That's how great it is. I'll take that and they can have my perfection placed over them. God looked on them and He looks upon us and He has compassion. It says uh, He had compassion on them and then it says, and He began to teach them many things. Don't, don't miss that. That part of His compassion is that He wants us to have knowledge and wisdom and understanding about who He is, about what He's doing, about how rough and broken the world is, and how rough and broken we are. He wants us to know this. And so He wants to teach teach us. And, and so He still has this compassion. We still need to be taught by Him. That's why we're here today. And so this one where I'm preaching to the choir, right? Um, we come... And I, and I I pray I know that I'm I'm not I'm not worth coming to listen to, but man Jesus and what He has to say that's worth coming for, to come and to hear the words of life. You know this biography of Jesus to where we we're able to look and to see this is our God that came to this earth and He's right here among us. It's totally amazing. It speaks to you guys as disciple makers. That's every Christian. Every one of you are called to be a disciple, to be discipled, and to be a disciple maker. That we would be people that 
we'd say, we know God has compassion on those that are around us, and there are those that we are to strategically invest God's word and God's truth into their life. Who is it? Who are those people in your life? Who at a peer level, who are the people that are pouring into you and you're pouring into them? Thank God for them. Like sheep without a shepherd. First, we need, a, we need shepherding from God. He's the great shepherd. But strangely enough, God has designed it to where He uses imperfect shepherds as well. And I'm one of those dudes. That God has said, I'm going I'm to place, place congregations in the hands of men who follow me and the people follow Jesus first, but then follow these leaders, these men as they follow Jesus too. And, and no, man, that's, I mean, certainly a, a pastor or a leader can get, can get a big head about that. But listen, there's a big, there's a big calling by the Lord and there's also going to be a, a big standing in front of him at the end to take account for that. And so for me and other, other leaders, other shepherds, Judy and Karen, who are incredible shepherds among ladies here in this church, that you would pray for them, pray for us, because God, is, God has said, feed my sheep. He said, love, love the lambs that, that, that I've got. And so God calls many to be shepherds and, and uh, ladies to shepherd ladies, and men to shepherd men, and some men called to shepherd a church. God's preparing these guys, these apostles, to shepherd the church, to birth the church and shepherd it in, a, in, in just a couple of years. And, and uh, he looks at them, and uh, in just a minute, he's going he's gonna to tell them what, what they're to do. To, he's going to say, man, you, you feed them. He's going to say, you, you feed them. You give them food. And, 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 and just, so, just so you know, I, my, my thought on this, my perspective is that he was, he was helping them to realize that they could not lead them the way they needed to be led. That they could not be the great shepherd for all of these people. That only He can be the great shepherd. And for any leader in here, no matter who you lead, and certainly any, any shepherds, any pastors that may be listening to this in the, in the future, that you need to know that you can lead them to the great shepherd and He will feed them in the miraculous ways that they need. And, and, and this, this should really be an encouragement to those that start hearing a call to, to shepherding and, and just deeper, deeper, uh, um, uh, deeper routes of discipleship is to know that you do not have to be the answer nor do you have to be the answer person. But you're to lead them to the answer, and that's Jesus. And lead them to the answer person, and that is Jesus. Verse 35. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. All right? Um, so these guys, they, they're looking around, and it's, it's getting late. And it's like, okay, um, Jesus, I think... Uh, I think you better you better send everybody back because this is not a village. There's no there's no huts. There's no places to go and and get food. And you know this is this could turn ugly on us after a while with all these these hungry people. 
Leadership um, is a very difficult thing. Um, leadership over many people is an extremely difficult thing. Some of you who are leaders, and God's given you a few to lead, or those of you who desire to be a leader, and you look at others, that they lead many people. They've got a large following. They've got, they've got big responsibilities. They've got that people listen to their podcasts or whatever it might be, and you look and you're just like, man... I just wish that I could lead that many people. This is an example here that leadership over many people is very, very weighty. Very weighty. Don't envy the leadership abilities that other people have. Just lead the way that God's called you to lead. Every husband, every dad that's in here, you're called to lead a family. You're called to pastor your family. You may never be called to pastor a church, but you're, as far as a big church, but you are called to pastor a small church. God wants you to be faithful in that. Um, and really, one of my maxims when it comes to leadership is to lead who you can, as well as you can, as far as you can. Lead who, who you can, whoever it is that will go with you where you're going. Whoever it is, if it's one person or if it's a thousand people, Lead them as well as you can, as far as you can. And even know that as you, as you journey, as you sojourn, as you go, some that start with you on the journey won't be with you when you reach the destination. Lead them as well as you can, as far as you can. When, when God moves people to different teams or leads them in different directions, you know, love them. Release them when you need to. And uh, just lead who you can, as well as you can, as far as you can. If you do lead many in here, whether that may be a, a teacher or maybe in the marketplace, let me ask you this. Even, even you guys, you parents, you, you uh, husbands and wives of kids, those who follow you, are they, are they following you and your agendas? Or are they following you as you follow Christ? And honestly, I, I've seen the fruit enough in my own life of when people just they're following me and my agendas and, man, we get into the ditch. Follow Christ instead. Have your own agendas. Don't lean on your own strength and abilities. Um, I believe uh, there's an in, indictment in here of men being ultimate leaders of being the ones that that people would go to um, that again got Jesus was good enough I mean, this was a this was a laboratory of a leadership lesson right here for them to see all right there's a bunch of people that are following that are following us can you be their answer and the answer is no they can't I can't so without Christ we do not lead well and even with Christ we can lead poorly. Follow Christ and Him first and foremost, and then follow those who follow Christ. As I uh, was studying through this, um, just thinking through, thinking through this this mess that they're in about however many thousands upon thousands of people that needed food. Um, I don't know if it's ever occurred to you this. If you've ever started mathematically adding up 
how much it costs to feed you or to feed your family in a month. And maybe you're not like me, but I mean, I've I've had a guilt complex at times. It's like, man, God, if I didn't have to, we didn't have to eat so much. If we didn't have to eat at all. Man, there, you could do a lot more money. Do a lot more with money, and to the point where it's just—I mean, it's silly. It's silly, but just even to think, man, God, God, I, okay, I'm I'm out and about, and don't, really my only thing, I'm, I got to stop and get this quick meal, and it costs ten dollars or all, and just thinking, man, wow, that ten dollars could have gone somewhere else, and just feel guilty about it because I have needs. Listen, whether that's that's you at any level or or not. We need to know that God made us with needs. And God is the one who's the provider of our needs. It's no accident that we must eat. It's no accident we have to rest. I mean, I've felt the same thing about sleep. It's like, dang, man. If I had that extra seven hours every night, sure could do a lot for my family or for God. You been there? You know, it's like, God, what's your deal? Why did you plan it that way? It's because it reminds us on a consistent basis in different ways that we're a needy people that we can't do it all that we've got to trust God so hunger is a good thing it reminds us sleep it's a good thing it reminds us that that we need him it requires us to trust in him versus self verse 37 but he answered them you give them something to eat and they said to him shall we go and buy 200 denarii denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat and he said to them How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Now, 200 denarii um, means this. A a, a denarii was, in those days, one day's wage for a laborer. So in today's terms, using the term laborer, an unskilled laborer will make about $7.25 an hour. That's minimum wage. A skilled laborer, may make $25 or more an hour based on what his skill level is. All right? So in this scenario, you guys, what we have, uh, I mean, you've got this traveling, itinerant, nonprofit organization, all right, who their purpose and their job is to help the needy, all right? So you want to watch your funds carefully to be able to help the needy. And now you have thousands of people that your CEO has just said, I want you to feed them all. And they say, they're like, look, it would take a person's salary for half of a year just for this one meal. And the treasurer, Judas, and I'm sure some others were were just thinking, this is a bad use of money. For us to go out and and to do that uh, would be a a bad, a bad uh, investment. I mean, Spending a half year's income to feed one people one time seems illogical, seems like a waste of money. It seems impossible. It's illogical. It was a, a, it was a lot of money. And, and they're probably thinking, we don't even know these people. There's no, inve- there's no emotional investment in them. Some of these people are not really going to care. They're going to wake up tomorrow and not be very thankful. Some of these people are against you, Jesus. And you want to feed them? And guys, that's, that's how a lot of times we'll look at the poor. And the needy will have the same type of concepts. Of, well, I don't even know them. I don't have an emotional investment. What if they don't use the money right? 
What if they're not grateful? What if they don't even like Jesus or they don't like me? And we, we come up with all, these, all of these arguments that, that keep us from pressing in to opportunities of grace and, and of mercy that God gives us. Now, I'm not saying that every needy person or every homeless person is yours, that you have an obligation to feed every person. But I am saying that Jesus loves the poor. He loves the hungry. He loves the needy. And so should we. Do you know why God wants us to care for them? This is just my thoughts. Secondly, because it helps them. Firstly, It reminds us of how freely grace and mercy was bestowed upon us. Anybody out there like the poor person that maybe we've got an attitude against, hypothetically? That we abuse grace? That we're ungrateful? That we don't even like Jesus sometimes? Yeah. And so when God leads us to help the poor and the needy, it shows that we recognize that God did some did the very same thing for us multiplied by a million, billion, trillion, nah, it's no real number of how much greater it was. Um, another leadership lesson I think that's in here is that we are to be a dependent leadership, not an independent leader. Dependent upon God, because again, he was saying, hey, you guys, y'all go solve their problem. And and uh, I just think God God was making it plain in there. They, they couldn't solve the problem. They could not feed that many people. There wasn't even enough time for that that to happen. Uh, it was it was overwhelming. Um, it reveals. It reveals the providence of God. It reveals that He's the one that cares. He's the one that takes care of people. Um, Every day He takes care of the whole world. I mean, what if God said, all right, okay, your job is to feed everyone in Metro Huntsville for one day. All right, just one of you in here, which is you that I'm talking to. That God said this, that your job is to feed everyone in Metro Huntsville for one day. Guys, we're the 119th largest city in the U.S., the metro area, 425,000 people in the metro area. Now, if that was your job, to feed everybody just for for one day, now maybe if you bought bought everything in bulk, maybe $1 could get that many breakfasts uh, per person, $2 for lunch and $2 for dinner, $5 I don't even think that's very realistic. It wouldn't be high-quality meals if you did it. But let's just work the math on that. If God told you to do that, to provide for every person in Metro Huntsville for one day, at $5 a person, that would be $2,125,000 for people to be fed one day. It's overwhelming. I mean, it couldn't be done. I mean... For most, it would take more than a lifetime of extra income to feed the city for one day. Yet God is responsible for that every day. And not just for 425,000 people, but closer to 7 billion people. And, and I know, we, we know there are people that are hungry and that are, that are starving 
But I mean, among the billions of people, God is the one that has set up a world that, that can provide for people. And He's the one. He's the one who did it. I want to read you guys some scriptures really quickly. Hebrews 1.3 says, He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Colossians 1.17 says, He's above, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Psalm 104.29 says, When you hide your face, talking about God, when you hide your face, God, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. It's God's power, His providence in keeping us. Matthew 6.26, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God loves us. He provides for us. So what's, what should our response be for His provision? Don't feel guilty because you have needs. God made you a needy person. He made us to depend on Him, but He made us to be able to use the gifts and abilities He's given. But be, be grateful. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. That means praise Him and don't forget that He's the one that provides everything for you, including the ability to be able to go and to work. Proverbs 23.4 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. This in another, another version says, Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't let the idea of, of providence or, or providing for you be something that you spend all of your energies toward. Matthew sixteen twenty six says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties and taking the five loaves and the two fish he looked up into heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. Alright guys, now stay with me because we're going to go to the table together in just a few minutes and we're going to walk out some of the lessons that are here. Um, there's, there's a lot of there's more stuff. There's stuff on the cutting room floor I'm not going to be able to get to. Um, but man, realize that in leading anyone, including ourselves, we cannot be the answer. We can't be. We can't provide for all of their needs. And that's what he was showing these guys. And what he's showing us today is that God wants us to come to him and he wants to bring all that we lead to him. And whether whether they come, is it's up to God and to them, but to lead them and just say, God is the one. He's the one. That we have a great heart for those that are spiritually hungry. Those that are spiritually lost and that need the Savior. They need to eat Christ. They need to commune with Him. That we bring them. We lead them to Christ. Because when we do, we eat and we're satisfied as well. 
the very end it said that they, uh, they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces in the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And I, I like just kind of the tale of that story that in the middle of talking to leaders that are imperfect and God revealing how much He loves and has compassion for people that are broken people, He also is saying, you know what, and you shepherds and you disciple makers and you leaders, I love you too, and I'll provide for you, and I will lead you as well. Now this contrasts to the last story, which was that flashback to Herod's party that we talked about last week. His birthday party, he brought in the most powerful men. He marginalized women for the entertainment of his guests. And in essence, in essence, Herod used the powerless to please the powerful. He took away from the poor to give to the rich. But yet in this story, the poor were welcomed and they were served alongside all the other classes. That's what the family of God is and what God does. Is he brings us in. And whether we're, we're, we're legitimately physically poor or physically rich, He calls all and says, Come to Me because I am the one that you need. So as a result of that, we, we have a, a unity because I know we've got people different educational levels, people from different areas of the country, different philosophies. Um, we, we've got, got all kinds of diversity in our church and within the Christian church in Huntsville as, as well. And what God wants to know is that rich and poor, we're all poor in spirit, and God is rich, and He came to us. And so we come and we gather and we worship Him. And as a result of that, we say now, God, may Your kingdom come. May we proclaim You to the lost but may we also go to the helpless, the poor, the needy that are in our own city and around the world. And at a practical level, guys, there's some great things that you can do, some great places you can plug in right here. There's the manna house that several days a week they feed the poor. Do you know that they don't have to sign in? They don't have to show an ID to prove that they're poor. If they come, they get fed. And we love that. The manna house. Downtown rescue mission and Salvation Army, there's several others, man, that they love. They love the poor. And, and if, you want, if you want to get plugged in, if you're like, you know what, I've never made those connections, and you get in the back pocket of Dave and Karen Burke, and they'll help plug you in to some place. Come to this action table and just make some baby steps in the area of loving the needy and the poor in our city. But it's not just our city, but it's the world. Seven billion people. Food and hygiene, there's so many people that don't, don't have enough food or they don't have clean water. There's organizations like Living Water International. Say Living Water International. That's one of several really good organizations that they help to get clean water. Uh, others do as well. Um, God loves them. Now, I just my prayer is that the Holy Spirit just does His work of creating new hearts in us. If you're an unbeliever in here, one of our friends... I just, by the authority of Jesus, just command you, just repent. Repent and turn, turn your life to Christ and come to Him because He's who you need. He's who you need. Um, band, if y'all come on up and just get ready. Let me say a couple more things uh, just in preparation for communion. Um, guys, could five loaves and two fish have fed everybody? No, it couldn't. It's just illogical. It's also illogical that one person's death would purchase the ransom 
for millions and millions of people. And yet both of those were true. Jesus showed that he's beyond the natural. He's God. And by his death on the cross and his resurrection, he showed that his death is what brings life to this world and hope to this world. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now guys, in just a second, while the band's playing, I want all you Christians to go and just quickly funnel through these two tables and to get, get the elements. Um, get a napkin, you're going to need it. Um, take the bread, dip it in either the juice or the wine, and go back to your seats um, and wait for everyone. Because today, we're going to be like those 5,000 who were fed by Jesus. We're going to be like those 12 apostles that after the baskets had come together, that they were able to eat together with Jesus. So you guys, I'm going to pray, and then I want you all to go ahead and funnel through. Um, we'll, we'll sing a little bit, and, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll take together. All right? Lord Jesus, bless this time of response. Lord, may, may you birth someone into the kingdom even now, into your family. May someone who's an unbelieving friend just say, that's it. White flag, I surrender. Take me, Jesus. You're what I need. For every Christian, may we know that you're the one that satisfied the hungry soul. Bless us in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our right, tables are open. Let's go ahead and go.